Welcome to day 331 of Shaped by the Word, season two, the drama of Scripture. And we come to one of the most pivotal chapters uh, in the New Testament. Uh, this is where the church decides on how the gospel should be received by Jew and Gentile alike in the same family. And it was not without a lot of controversy and a lot of hardship. And of course, even these decisions would not uh, make it easy. There be continued you know, tension between how the law and the gospel work together in order to give us a full picture of who Christ is. And uh, this will be the third time we've, we've talked about that that you hear. Peter mentioned uh, the moment with Cornelius when he witnessed God do something that was amazing to him and all of the Jewish brothers around him. Uh, the God who knows uh, men's heart has given this generous gift to the Gentiles without jumping through a bunch of hoops. They simply believed in the message of the Lord Jesus Christ and received this transforming gift uh, of the Holy Spirit you know, as they listened to the gospel. So Acts chapter 15 sets the bridge uh, for the world that we live in, uh, the world that we live in uh, as Gentiles, having been brought into the gospel and living out and rejoicing the Old Testament story, but uh, rejoicing that the story moves well beyond that into the person of Christ, into our lives as well. Mm -hmm. So we start with Acts chapter 15 before we read. Uh, David, would you mind lifting us up with a word of prayer? No, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the good news of the gospel, and we ask now that as we read your word that you would do the work that only you can do of, of opening the eyes of our hearts to see and behold uh, the wonder um, that you would send your son for us, that he would die in our place, and that he would rise victoriously offering us new life. And so, Father, help us to behold the gospel um, freshly now. Um, we ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. In Acts chapter 15, and of course we find ourselves you know, in the church at Antioch, which is uh, the first church where Jews and Gentiles are freely worshiping together, uh, recorded in the book of Acts. Acts 15, certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you're circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, to whom they reported everything God had done through them. And some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. Apostles and the elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do we try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved, just as they are. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. When they finished, James spoke up, Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this, as it is written, After this I'll return and rebuild 
David's fallen tent. Its ruins I'll rebuild and I'll restore it, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who do these things, things known from long ago. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Say we write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. For the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in every synagogue on every Sabbath. Then the apostles and the elders and the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas, uh, called Barsabbas, and Silas, men who were leaders among the believers. With them they sent the following letter. The apostles and elders, your brothers, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, greetings. We've heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, and from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You would do well to avoid these things. Farewell. So the men were sent off and went down to Antioch, where they gathered church together and delivered the letter. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, had much to encourage and strengthen the believers. After spending some time there, uh, they were set off uh, by the believers with the blessing of peace to return to those who had sent him. Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, where they and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with him, but Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and did not continue with him in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria, Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So we have two sharp disagreements, uh, one that encourages our heart and one that breaks our heart. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first one, of course, is... uh, is, uh, uh, the church comes in sharp disagreement with the party of the Pharisees on uh, the nature of uh, observ- law observance and circumcision. And, and, of course, we're glad for that one. Uh, we're really sad, you know, for this one where Paul and Barnabas break up o- over, you know, John Mark. Mm-hmm. And uh, it gives it to us, you know, without, uh, you know, without, without comment. Mm-hmm. We, we kind of want to side with Barnabas here. <laughs> uh, and in the end, uh, we know that Paul is glad that Barnabas did what he did because one of his last requests from prison is, please send John Mark to me, mm-hmm. uh, that I may be strengthened by him. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. they're united in the end. That's one of those little sub-themes, too. You talk about strengthening. You know, we're going to see, we don't say much about it, but you're going to see this refrain time and time again throughout Acts as we get further into the story that, you know, Paul goes and strengthens the churches, you know, and mm-hmm. just this, 
you, sometimes we picture him as a madman or just a missionary on you know on his way, just planting churches Is that everywhere. The way you him at? <laughs> He's kind of crazy, yeah. <laughs> you know. But just planting churches everywhere, yeah. and yet we were reminded he constantly goes back and strengthens the believers, you know. And there's it's not just planting as many churches as possible, but it's it's planting healthy churches that strength they're strengthened along the way. Now there's yeah, evangelism with you know with discipleship, yeah. and 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 we forget you know some of these are very short ventures, you know, like the churches in Thessalonica. So only there about two weeks before they're forced out. They're going, oh my goodness, how's this church going to survive? Well, by the grace of God's word and by the power of His Holy Spirit. And then there's Ephesus, uh, where he spends you know three years teaching every night, and you know, and developing them in yeah. the gospel and the big and the message you uh, spread out from there. So it's kind of a condensed version, but it is big for them to know that people are grounded in the word. And what a yeah. wonderful way of describing that, you know the. Uh, the strengthening of the churches. And, and he, he doesn't, and we ought to not notice that just a little bit too, he doesn't refer to the strengthening of individuals. He talks about the church as a yep. whole, mm-hmm. how when individuals are strengthened, it adds to uh, to the community, to the sense of community, and to the strength of the church mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting to just to note and maybe spend a little time talking about um, as New Covenant people today, like what, the specifics were that they gave like the instructions that they gave the Gentile believers uh, what to avoid. So I would love to hear from you guys um, just like why, why you think these were important um, to, I mean, obviously like (laughs) we obviously know why sexual immorality, but maybe specifically talking about like food sacrificed to idols and from the meat of strangled animals. Like what do y'all I've studied that. And those, you know, those are, a, you know, those are a bridge too far. Uh, it is interesting to me, you know, that you read all of, you know, all of Leviticus and all of, uh, uh, you know, the the Old Testament. You know, the the covenant law. They would come down to these two things. Uh, there was a very different, uh, you know, sexual, you know, se- sexual ethics among the Greeks and among the Jews, and so mm-hmm. that would deeply separate them. And there was also a different understanding of, you know, food sacrificed, you know, to idols and how it was sacrificed. And, and so those would be two things that would be offensive to Jews in table fellowship. Mm-hmm. And, and those are kind of a, you know, kind of a compromise. Uh, later you'll hear Paul mm-hmm. arguing, it's okay, you know, in your own conscience, if you are eating food sacrificed to idols, just don't make a big deal out about it. And if it becomes a big deal, then back away from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the you know the sexual ethic is one that you know the one that stays, and, and of course Paul will through his writing uh, continue to go back to the law to make gospel applications. Mm-hmm. So the spirit of the law uh, is uh, created in our heart mm-hmm. through the Holy Spirit, and it is also a a form of wisdom that ref- you know informs our ethic in, 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 in Christ. So we don't use it as a law, but we do use it as an an instructive piece of wisdom to consider who God is and the kinds of things that he values. Mm. Yeah. So we're not under, you know, under obligation for circumcision or tithing or any of those things, but we are informed, you know, by some of those mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Probably tithing more than circumcision. But anyway, that's just <laughs> yeah, a, that's another that's another podcast yeah. altogether. <laughs> yeah. Remind me not to be there for that podcast. It's <laughs> awkward. Well, I mean, we got to talk about the Jerusalem Council too cuz this is such an important marker. You know, in, in the book I thought of that's what we church. just talked about. It. <laughs> well, no, yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, just that question of unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. I mean, what was at stake here was 
you know, salvation, justification, how, how can one be made right with God? And the Jews are saying, okay, we see something's happening with the Gentiles, but they need to become like Jews, you know, if they're going to be justified. And we get, you know, Galatians, and Paul says, no, you're justified by faith. You know, it, it's not these other things that we add to it. And, and so at the heart of it is how does, you know, how do we around this table, you know, how are we saved? And is it, we get Christ plus circumcision, other, you know, the observance of Jewish laws, or do we get Christ? And what Paul and Barnabas are fighting for is you get Christ, you know, you're justified by no, faith. That's right. This is an important part. Uh, yeah, we're not, you know, we're not, uh, we're not saved by works of the law, but uh, our, our salvation will naturally produce yeah. works mm. that are pleasing to God, which will be a reflection of the spirit of the law mm. uh, in many ways. And of course, that was the promise of the new covenant that I'll write, you know, write, uh, you know, the, my law on their hearts and move them you know, to follow my decrees. And, and, of course, Paul would refer to this in Romans as the obedience that comes through faith. In other words, it's produced by our confidence in Christ, not by our effort to please Christ uh, with the things that we do. It, it, it is hard to, you know, think about that. It, it's kind of uh, one of those things that's a little bit beyond the grasp of our imagination, but something we so deeply rejoice in, that God does everything uh, on our behalf that it requires of us, including producing a heart and a desire. Uh, you know, I think it's, you know, Paul says he works in you both to will and to act according to his good purposes. Yeah. And, and the law is a shadow of that. And, and the spirit of the law is something that's carried forth in believers. And we can even apply the law, law as Paul does, in, in several instances as an illustration of what obedience to Christ looks like. So that, I think we've said that a mouthful a couple of times. Uh, Matt, why don't you close us with a word of prayer? Father, we thank you that we are saved through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that it's not by works of the law or ability or um, even just the, our devotion, but we're saved by you and you alone. And so, Father, would you um, root that deep into our hearts? Would you cultivate in us a greater faithfulness and a greater love for you? Um, and would you cause us to be your people in this place? We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.